Hello and welcome to The Coping Toolbox, a child psychology podcast hosted by clinical psychologists Dr. Layla Din Osman, Dr. Mary Simmering McDonald, and Dr. Jennifer Rend. We hope that this podcast helps parents, children, and teens learn new coping skills in dealing with their stress and anxiety and to help strengthen relationships in their lives. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Coping Toolbox. I'm Dr. Jennifer Rend, and today I'm joined by Dr. Samantha Goldwater-Adler, and we're going to be discussing an important and challenging topic. Today, we're going to be talking about separation and co-parenting. Dr. Samantha Goldwater-Adler is a licensed clinical psychologist in Montreal, Quebec. She works in private practice, providing therapy, and also does litigation consulting and offers workshops to attorneys in schools. Dr. Sam attended Concordia University and then completed her doctorate at Dalhousie University. She's worked in hospitals and clinics in Nova Scotia, Ontario, and Quebec. She's presented a number of guest lectures as well as media interviews. I'm really excited to have Dr. Sam here today. I actually first met Sam when we were completing our graduate studies together at Dalhousie University. And I just remember seeing her as a very strong and brilliant individual, and I'm so happy that she's agreed to share her experience and knowledge with us. So thanks so much for joining us today, Dr. Sam. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, Jen, and to get a chance to chat with you. And it's been such a pleasure listening to your podcast. It just seems like such a lovely resource to offer families, and I'm just delighted to be here. Aw, thanks so much. Um, Okay, so as I mentioned, today we're going to be talking about separation and co-parenting. The focus of today's episode will be to provide general tips and ideas. We won't be getting into how to navigate very high conflict situations, as these do tend to pose different challenges. However, that is a topic that we'd like to cover in future episodes. So just a note, at times we may refer to mom or dad, and we don't mean this in any way to exclude same-sex families or non-binary or um, cohabiting but unmarried families or whatever form your family may take. Um, We may do this for simplicity's sake, um, but please know that there's there's no intention to exclude any families in this situation. Um, So, Dr. Sam, we know that separation is complicated and unique for families, and I know one question that I often get from families is, how do we tell the kids that we're separating? Um, Can you tell us a little bit about how uh, parents may go about this and maybe what are some of the key points? Look, Jen, you're absolutely right. Separation is complicated, it's really hard, and it's a super emotional time for families. And understandably, as parents, we're worried about how to tell our kids what's going on and how they're going to react. And of course, we wanna make this as easy as possible for them. Now, this is gonna be a tough initial conversation, but you know, let's, why don't we get into some tips and key points to make the conversation go um, a little bit more smoothly. The, the first consideration is really thinking about when you're gonna tell the kids, like when you're gonna sit them down and have this discussion. Now, if the kids have been, you know, witnessed some conflict between you guys, if you guys have been quiet with each other, giving each other a cold shoulder or having arguments around them, then you could kind of about a week or two before one parent moves out is probably the best time to sit the kids down and tell them. If you tell them too far in advance, it can just be really destabilizing and confusing for kids as you know they're just biting their nails freaking out oh my gosh when is daddy or mommy gonna leave oh my goodness six months um so about one to two weeks is a good rule of thumb if the kids have some if you think they have some sense that things have been tense between the two of you if they don't have a sense that things have been tense if you guys have been just top-notch, A-plus, you've been able to keep all your conflicts kind of secret and you've been actually getting along really well in front of the kids, then you may want to give them like a little teaser kind of a few weeks before that, (laughs) where you just say something like, hey, you know, we've been having, you know, mommy and daddy have been having a bit of a rough time getting along recently. And so we've been working on it with a therapist and we're, you know, we're doing our best to get back on the same page. Just so at least you're giving them a heads up that, you know, okay, there, there are some difficulties, so it doesn't get them totally off guard when you do make the announcement. Mm-hmm. Now, yep. once that's all, so that's timing, right? 
The next is, you know, sort of the setup. So when you're setting it up, when you're telling them, ideally, if you guys can, you know, without getting into big arguments with each other, then, you know, if you can keep civil, then it's ideal for you to tell them together. Um, this is going to help to ensure that you're giving the kids a clear and consistent message and that you're still presenting it to them as a family. Right. And I guess that's good, too, because then both parents know what's been said, what's been communicated. Oh, my gosh. A hundred percent. Right. So you don't have any suspicion between the two parents or conflicting messages. Right. And then we get to the content. Okay. So what are we actually? So that's nice. So right now we're <laughs> sitting together. It's a week or two before one parent is moving out. Oh my gosh, what do we actually say to the kids? And I think, you know, uh, Vicki Stark has a really nice way of structuring it that I find really helpful. And you want to think about kind of breaking the discussion to kind of three parts in your head. The first is preparing them. And this is basically kind of like an intro statement or discussion where you're letting them know that there are serious problems in the relationship. So a way to open this up, maybe something like, you know, I bet you've noticed mommy and I have been arguing a lot recently, right? So you're just getting them on the same page, you're preparing them. Then the next step that you wanna get into is to reveal the actual separation and the key points that they need to know. Now, don't overwhelm them with information. This is an emotionally tough discussion. So you wanna really stick to the key points. So you may wanna explain, you'll be separating, do it in clear and simple terms like, um, you know, we've been fighting so much that we don't think it's healthy for us to be living together anymore, right? Clear, concise, it's obvious what you're saying. And in terms of some of the key points, explain to your kids what will happen. You know, for example, um, you know, daddy will live here and mommy will live in another house two blocks away. Uh, sometimes you'll live with mommy, sometimes with daddy. Here's going to be the schedule, right? And then the last part of that, so it's really, you know, you're preparing them, you're giving them the actual information, and then it's to make space for your kid's emotional response. You have no idea right. how they're going to respond. <laughs> now, some kids, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like kids, you know, they can come in waves. You don't always know what the first reaction is going to be. They may cry. They may ask you to get back together. They may be angry or they may be totally quiet. You don't really know how they're going to respond. And so you want to ask how they feel without pressuring them. Just ask them how they feel and make space for them to say or to ask or to feel what they need. So, for example, you know, if your kid starts to cry and they say they're sad, it could be, you know, hey, buddy, I know you're sad. Me too this is really hard. Or if they're mm -hmm. angry and they start yelling at you guys to get back together, or this isn't fair. You could say, of course, you're mad at us right now. That's okay. Don't rush into trying to silver lining this or to, <laughs> sometimes I tell, I tell families like, you know, <laughs> don't present your kids with, you know, a pile of turd and try to convince them it's roses. <laughs> You know, they're going to know the right. difference. And so allow your kids <laughs> to have their reaction. They're going to have their feelings. Don't force them to be happy. Just your job is just to be a safe container and an inviting container for them to express how they're feeling and reacting to this big news. And probably so necessary just for them to have that opportunity, opportunity to express their emotions, right? And just let some of those emotions out, which, you know, not every kid will, but if they need to feel angry or sad or whatever it happens to be, let them do that, right? Well, absolutely, because that's what's going to help them to get through this, to process this. A lot of times we're scared of kids' reactions, you know, when they have a really strong reaction, when they're crying, when they're angry, when they yell. We, you know, we just want to fix it right away, but mm -hmm. we, that's not fixing it, trying to make them feel something other than what they do. Sometimes they need to ride through. The only way to get past an emotion is to go through it. And right. our job as parents yeah. is to allow our kids to go through it. You know, we may have had months or even years to come to terms with the decision to split up. For our kids, they haven't right. had that chance. And importantly, they haven't had the control that we have. You know, we decided to do to have a separation. The kids didn't. And their lives are going to be made topsy-turvy because of our decision. They have the right to have all the feelings they need to have to get through this. All right. So um, 
are there any specific things you've, you've kind of touched on this a bit, but um, things that parents just should kind of keep in mind, things that they shouldn't avoid, um, or, or maybe some of the challenges that you might discuss uh, with, with families in your office? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Um, I think one of the, the, the top most concerns that we really want to keep in mind in these conversations is preventing a conflict of loyalty. Right? We want to stay as far away as possible of giving our kid any inclination that they have to be in the middle of the two of us, right. in the middle of the conflict, or that they have to pick sides, right? Because that is shredding and annihilating for kids. And Jen, I'm going to tell you something that I had a, you know, a brilliant colleague of mine, Dr. Abe Warren Klein, had said many years ago, and it really struck me, and I find it really helped to keep that conflict of loyalty clear in my head is he said that, you know, we want to think of kids as, you know, for kids, they have half of them is coming from one parent, from mom, the other half from dad, from their or from their other parent, right? And every time mm -hmm. we try to create a war or we create conflict or we insult or criticize one parent, we're essentially criticizing half of our own kid, right? And that's how else are they, how are they supposed to take that? You know, how are they supposed to come? You, you know what, Sam, like that, that comment just really uh, does hit home. I think that's so important, um, regardless of the situation, right? When, when there is those kinds of feelings, I think that's, that's an excellent point to make. Mm -hmm. And I think it helps to keep us grounded in there that we may see it as, well, no, 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 this has nothing to do with you. I'm insulting dad or something, but the kid doesn't see it that way, right? For the kid, they share traits of dad. And so what are they supposed to do with that? And, you know, heaven forfend, if you're criticizing something that the kid, a trait that the kid shares with dad, then what, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. when we're getting into conflict of loyalties, we want to be sure not to blame the other parent for the separation, even if, you know, secretly you think it's really their fault, right? Keep, <laughs> keep that to yourself. Your kid doesn't need to know that because again, then you're, you're putting them in a conflict of loyalty situation. You want to also give your kid kind of permission to have love and good feelings towards their other towards the other parent. So tell your child and it's all the more powerful when you're telling it together when you're both parents sitting down when you tell your child that they have the right to have a good time with both parents that you're glad that they have all these people that love them and care about them. You know, speak positively, even in the context of that that coming out conversation, you know, speak positively about the other parent and give the child freedom to do the same. And finally, right, this is this is one where it gets a little bit tricky is, you know, the negative details, like why you guys are separating right now on the mm -hmm. most part, you should default to kids don't need to know. Right. They don't need to know about your sex life. They don't need to know about your your inner arguments. They don't need to know how annoyed you are at your father in law or mother in law. They don't need to know any of that information. Right. Yeah. But sometimes there is certain information that they will need to know. And that's really when you're disclosing the details of the breakup, it's really on a need to know basis. Right. And without putting blame. So, you know, if there's an infidelity, again, you're ideally, you're not going to tell your kids about that. They don't need to know that, you know, causes a whole heck of hurt and pain. However, if your partner, you know, if your ex is going to be moving in <laughs> with the person they had an affair with, right? And that's where visitation is going to be going on with your kid. Well, yeah, the kid's going to have some idea of what's going on. So you really mm -hmm. want to give it to give them only need to know information and however, and when you communicate it, do your best to communicate it as simply matter of factly and as um, without as much as much as possible without blame. Does that make sense? Right. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And just trying to think about, you know, trying to re remove a little bit your own emotion when you're speaking to your child about it and just sort of thinking, what does my child need to know and what's going to be healthiest for my mm -hmm. child right now? I love that you brought in your own emotions or us as parents, our emotions in these conversations, because I have a lot of parents that will actually ask me about that. And mm -hmm. or sometimes they'll even get paralyzed, right, because they want to have these discussions with their kids. but they don't know how to do it without crying, right? Yeah. It's, it's, these are tough discussions. And I think, you know, 
it's important that our kids, that we have some authenticity with our kids. Again, so in the same spirit of not presenting them with a turd and telling them it's roses, right? We don't wanna be having a big smile on our face and kind of giggling and eating ice cream <laughs> while we're having this separation discussion because, oh my gosh, is that gonna cross those kids' wires? <laughs> what are they gonna do there? Right? So it's, it's yeah. fine if we're sad when we're having this discussion, right? If it feels heavy, right? If it's a diff, you know, if, if maybe even if we cry, that's okay. I think when we're thinking about expressing our emotions and how much to share with our kids, there's two principles I think are important to keep in mind. One is we can express, and this goes across, you know, this is even outside of this discussion context, you know, whenever we're talking to our kids, it's okay for our kids to see we're human and that we have feelings and to express those around our kids as long as there is no pressure, you know, implied or, you know, explicit or implied that our kids are responsible for handling our feelings, right? We can right. have feelings and it's our responsibility to take care of them, not our kids, right? So that's one. Mm -hmm. The other is just to be a little bit careful about anger in the context of these discussions, mm -hmm. right? Crying, fine. Right. But if you feel like if you're going to get into this discussion, you are still just bubbling over with rage. Ooh, maybe you need to do a little self care before yeah. you bubble you before you get into that conversation. <laughs> maybe that anger because that anger feeds back into the conflict of loyalty. So we want to yeah. just, you know, it's fine to feel angry, but we just want to be careful about, you know, maybe not sharing that with our kids. Yeah, good point. Definitely a good point. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so I, one of the things I often talk about is is I, I tr always am trying to put myself in, in the child's shoes and trying my best to see things from their perspective. So in the midst of all this, this conversation about parents separating and, you know, the, the, the child's world is changing, um, what do you think might be the child's focus uh, during, this, dur during this experience? Look, I love that you're trying to get into your kids into the kid's head with this. And I think that that's a great, even just that, to be able to suggest that to parents, like think about how your kid is experiencing it, right? What would their perspective be? I think it's a really fabulous exercise and can really help us to get more attuned to our kids and be better able to meet their needs. Now, that said, there are some common concerns um, that come up, right? I think the, the first thing is that you know, kids tend to personalize kids, you know, for better or for worse, kids are the star of their own movie. They are the main actor, they're the main player, right? And so when events are happening around them, their big concern is how is this going to affect me and my life, right? Yeah. And so in that spirit, right, you may want to answer some of their direct concerns, of course, like, you know, am I going to have another, am I going to have a room? What about my stuff? Uh, am I still going to go to the same school? Am I still going to have a family, right? You still want to answer those concerns. Uh, what happens to the family dog? Um, but also emotionally, one thing that's really important is that you want to tell them clearly and specifically that this is not their fault, right? When kids yeah. see their parents split, They'll often personalize it and think, oh, you know, if mommy and daddy were fighting, ooh, the last time they were fighting, it was because I didn't clean my room. Oh my gosh, if only I'd cleaned my room more, it's my fault that mommy and daddy are splitting up, right? Mm -hmm. Or that mommy yeah. and mommy or daddy and daddy or whoever are splitting up. Um, and so we really want to give them a clear and unambiguous message that this doesn't have anything to do with them. This is not their fault. And importantly as well, Right. I think we want to think, you know, as, as you were saying, Jen, about getting into the kids perspective and getting into their head and how they think we want to be really thoughtful that if we're if the message we're giving our kids is, you know, mommy and daddy used to love each other and now they don't love each other anymore. And so they're going to split up. Right. We want to really think, well, what does that mean then when we tell our kids that we love them? Yeah. Right. Because for a long time, we've been saying this is our family. And so, yep. you know, if families can love each other and then stop loving each other from one day to the next, oof, what does that mean for the parents' love for the kid? And so we want to be really clear with their kids, with our kids as well, that it's different, 
with parent child yeah. or caregiver child relationships that your love for them is unwavering and won't change even though your feelings could change for your partner right that's a really good point yeah yeah and an ongoing um discussion too this isn't just you know during the separation that you let them know that you know this isn't your fault because that question is going to be rolling around in their head even though you've already said it right just that i think that was that would probably be an ongoing discussion right you're absolutely right all of this we're presenting you know we're having this talk jen about how this is you know that this is the separation discussion right yeah but it's not one discussion right you're not going to get this all out in one <laughs> shot or you have the talk and then boom you wipe your hands okay boom fixed problem solved i never have to talk to my kids again um yeah. this is an ongoing discussion right yeah. you're absolutely right and in the spirit of kids focus just to give parents a bit of a heads you know and as you're saying kids are going to have big feelings right through this yeah. And as we were saying before, their feelings may come in waves. The same kid who was quiet and seemed kind of processing and okay with the separation when you first have the discussion may be full of rage or tears or worry, you know, a week later, you don't know. And so you really wanna give your kid a space to be able to talk about their feelings and vent their feelings, right? You don't need to interrogate them, but leave the door open, check in, ask. If they say, if they cry and they say, well, I don't want you to separate, right? You can mm -hmm. console them. Like, I understand this isn't what you want. It is sad. It's hard for us to, but we think it's for the best, right? right? right. And right. finally, one thing to watch out for, just because some parents get really surprised <laughs> by this one. So just a heads up. Um, similar, you know, in a certain way, similarly to when, you know, there's another sibling born, right, when there's this big change or disruption, uh, kids may temporarily regress right. developmentally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you may find um, a kid who, you know, your kid who was previously maybe has been potty trained for a year, two years, may start wetting the bed again. Or they may start talking in a baby voice or having, uh, you know, or playing with younger toys, right? right. Now, what they're doing is they're trying to go back to a simpler time to cope, you know, right. they may even become more aggressive and irritable because they just don't know how to handle all these big feelings. Now, how long that's totally normal. The extent of that reaction and how long it goes on, you know, is partly your kid, right? And partly how, how hard you're finding it coping, right? Emotions are contagious. If you're spending all day in bed crying, your kid's probably going to be having a rough time too, right? Mm -hmm. Or if you're really full of rage, your kid's probably going to be having a rough time too, right? right? Yeah. And so it's that's why it's so important that we take care of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, you know what, um, Sam, that actually is that kind of feeds into what I was going to ask next, um, you know, because it's sort of, I feel like this isn't one of those, you know, you just do X, Y, Z, and then all done, good, that talk's over, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I uh, personally, having gone through my own separation, I know just how challenging the whole the whole experience is um, and how many emotions are involved and uh, just the, the challenges and, and constantly trying to put your child's needs first, but also really struggling yourself. So do you have any, any practical advice to help parents, um, you know, obviously, the, they're putting their children first, but any other suggestions just to help the parent through this process? Yeah, yeah, because yes, of course, we want our kids to be doing well, we want to take care of them, we want to help them cope through, but as parents, you know, we're also human beings, right? Mm -hmm. With thoughts, feelings, and needs, and with the same, you know, and we deserve love, care, and affection, just like, just like our kids, right, mm -hmm. or anybody else. And so now more than ever, we really need to take care of ourselves, right? You know, as the saying goes, you can't pour from an empty glass. Mm -hmm. um, and often when we're stressed, often when we're going through the roughest times in our lives, that's the first time that we cut out everything that keeps us happy, healthy, and sane, right? Yeah. And so we're gonna have to really be on it for ourselves because this is a rough time. And that means doing our best to exercise, to sleep well, you know, do yoga, meditate, journal, eat well, see friends, engage in a hobby, right? Just those things that keep us balanced and keep us feeling 
okay so that we have some well-being to share with our kids right and then if we're really struggling right reach out for help and importantly the sooner the better right i have a lot of people will come into my practice where they'll you know or in personal life people wait until things get quote real bad yeah wait till crisis right and then and then it's yeah and then you often it's hard to find the help you need and and you're in such a bad spot at that point right so reaching out early exactly exactly so and just to prevent building up years of grievances and pain you know this is hard there's no shame in asking for help and asking for it early to as soon as difficulties start to arise or to head off any problems you know nip it in the bud so in terms of that there's personal resources you can seek out so lean on families and friends you know who can offer emotional support as one little i'm going to put one little asterisk in here as we're leaning on family and friends um just to be mindful not to loop them into the conflict with your ex right mm-hmm. right because sometimes you know we all have <laughs> we all have some friends who and family who are just so loving and so fabulous and so loyal and supportive that as soon as we say anything negative about our ex now yep. we've started a war you know, it, it becomes like, it's just, you know, and they'll start and our family or friends will start to ostracize our ex or trash talk them or spread rumors in the community. So, yeah. or you know, in front we want the children too, right? In front oh of the my, kids. Yeah. A hundred percent. So even if we're doing our very level best to speak kindly about our ex in front of the kids, you know, our, our family and friends may not have that same perspective. So we want to lean on them, but also be mindful that you know, even to tell them explicitly that, you know, I want this to stay between us, right? I don't want you to take this out on or involve my kid or my ex or anything in this. Mm-hmm. The next to consider if you're having a rough time is, of course, seeking out a therapist, right? Um, that could be a great way to be able to process some of the tough feelings that you're going through, to answer some of your specific questions, to just have the support that you need, someone who's just really dedicated to you and just you and definitely will not be going through the community to spread rumors yep. and talk about <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yep. And, <laughs> and finally, there are some professionals that are more specific uh, for handling uh, the issues surrounding divorce and separation. Um, so this can be seeking out mediation or a co-parenting coach. So mediate a mediator or a co-parenting coach to resolve practical issues before they become a bigger problem. So they can help with things like clarifying uh, custody arrangements, roles, responsibilities, how you guys are going to communicate, what you're going to do with holidays and, you know, pickups and drop offs. Mm -hmm. So if you think that some of those small details, if those are really hard for you to figure out with your ex, it may be a really good idea sooner than later to meet with a mediator or co-parenting coach to really figure out, figure those things out. For sure. Yeah. Just having that objective person involved can be really helpful. Yeah. And just prevent a load of conflict going forward. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So, um, all right. Now we've kind of talked about the separation piece and kind of, you know, and like, like we said, that's, that's ongoing. This isn't just like a one conversation done, you know, wipe our hands clean. Um, But Mm -hmm. what about, what about the next steps? So let's talk a little bit. So the parents have discussed the separation. Now they're moving into the co-parenting after separation. Um, and I know this doesn't necessarily happen overnight, but what might be some of the challenges encountered and things to prepare for? Um, obviously, there's a lot here, so maybe we can first talk about the practical items and then shift more into the emotional stuff. So what are some of the practical items to consider? Sure. Um, you know, one of the one of the first practical items that tends to come up is the schedule, right? So yep. when is your kid going to be with one parent? You know, when is the kid going to be with one parent or with the other? Right. And there's a whole bunch of different ways to be able to figure that, you know, to set this, Um, you know, some parents do it very loosely, like, oh, we'll just figure it out. Right. Some do uh, two days, two days, three days, two days, two days, five days, uh, one week on with one parent, one week with another or two weeks, two weeks. There's a whole bunch of different combinations and permutations that are possible. Now, as a general guideline, um, I think there's 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 two things to keep in mind. One is going to be um, it helps when the schedule is clear and specific. 
uh, for your kid as well. So they have some predictability. Um, I've heard this enough with kids where, you know, they'll start asking every day when they go to school, who's going to pick me up? Who's going to pick me up? Because they just don't even know, am I going to be seeing mommy or daddy or what's happening? Whose home am I going to go to? Do I bring my tutu to school so I can sleep with it at the other person's house? Like, am I still going to go home? You know, if I'm having yep. a play date with my friend, can I, whose house am I going to be at? Um, and so ideally some clarity and consistency is going to go a long way, right? So you can even give your kid a little calendar so they can see and track it and have some predictability and some security in that. And the other is in terms of um, the basic rule of thumb is that the younger the child uh, in general, the younger the child, the more frequent contact should be with both mm. parents, right? Mm. So it's the younger they are, it's basically favoring frequency over duration, okay. right? As and, and part of that is because of their sense, kids sense of object permanence yeah. and everything else and, and their attachment relationships for a baby, for example, you, you know, you can't have two weeks, two weeks with a baby, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, oh, oh gosh, what are they going to do? And at that point, you know, even if you want to favor, let's say, you know, the nursing parent in that case, right, then the other parent should still be able to see the kid, even if briefly every day, right, or have afternoons or Again, once we're getting into into you know nursing, we're gonna think too. Okay, can you pump for certain times? Is there formula yep. supplements? It's complicated, but that's that's basically the 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 idea in terms of scheduling. Be clear and specific. It should be clear and specific for your kid too, and in general, favor frequency when it comes to younger kids. Yeah. The next is getting into some of the practical things is uh, pickups and drop offs, right? Now, you want to have that pretty clear. The more detail in the plan, the better. And generally, the, the, the more hurt feelings there are in the relationship between the two of you, the more you want to favor not having face-to-face -face handoffs. Right. Right. So um, a generally a good, a good one for, for a lot of families is school. Right. Yeah. One parent drops the kid off in the morning. And when there's a custody transition, then the other parent picks them up at the end of the day. Right. So they don't parents don't have to be in conflict. They don't have to deal with they don't have to see each other and the kid could have some you know space and breath in there. Yeah. Um, the other to make it to avoid a conflict of loyalty when it comes to pickups and drop offs is, you know, make them easy. Like definitely do not tell. It sounds sweet to tell your kid, oh, you know, I'm going to be so sad and lonely when you go stay with mommy. I'm going to just be miserable. I'm going to be crying myself to sleep. I'm going to be counting the days until you come back. And that sounds really lovely, loving and sweet. But, you know, back to your point, Jen, and thinking of the kid's perspective, oh, yeah. have you just put a weight on your kid. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Now, so instead tell them you hope they're going to have a good time like have fun okay like I can't wait to hear what you did when you get back right. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, importantly to do not interrogate your child when they come back right. <laughs> Yeah. So not like, yeah, what did you do? What did you do at daddy's? Who did he see? Was he picking up the phone? How often was he on the computer? Did you watch, you know, did you watch Teen Titans? Did he make you play any video games you should have been playing? When did you do your homework? Did he make you clean? How long did you brush your teeth? Ooh. Yeah, I'm getting stressed out just hearing this. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting stressed out just saying it, right? And so, yeah. no, this isn't, you know, we shouldn't be shining a light on our kid's face and putting them, you know, in a chair yeah. or something like that and asking them, you know, ask them as though it's a police interrogation. Yeah. Um, and finally, in terms of, you know, some of the practical stuff, you know, plan ahead for extracurricular activities. So it's clear between the households, um, make provisions for holidays. And this is an interesting one because this is, this is one again, where there's going to be a bit of a con like potential conflict is <laughs> between uh, consistency and acceptance, right? Mm -hmm. So, Ideally, you want to have some consistency between the households in terms of the rules, right? That's yeah. going to make things a little bit easier. If you have one home where you can watch TV for 12 hours a day and the other home where you have to be doing, you know, nonstop chores and everything is strictly regimented and you have, you know, it's going to be, it can be tough on your kids. So ideally you want some consistency there. It doesn't have to be exactly the same, but as much as possible. Yeah. However, right. That's the ideal. 
Yeah. <laughs> and the truth is, is that we don't have much control over what's mm-hmm. happening in the other household, right? And I have a lot of families will come in, a lot of parents in particular will really get agitated saying something like, well, you know, we have a rule in our household that it's, you know, uh, one hour of screen time on the weekend and nothing else. But at the other home, they get to play video games for three hours and, you know, and they're they're just ready to call the lawyers and start a war. Right? Yeah. So whew, we want yeah. consistency within reason recognize our kids are actually pretty good you know most at least most neurotypical kids most Mm -hmm. are pretty good at being able to deal with inconsistency between environments they know that they're going to have to behave differently at school than they do at mom and dad's than they do at a birthday party right Mm -hmm. and then they do at the park so it's not the end of the world if the rules are a bit different if we are trying to figure out what you know what to get into and where to kind of insist on some consistency I think it's helpful to really think about to really prioritize your concerns right if it's a safety issue then yes absolutely you deal with that with your ex you figure it out right yeah. if it's a philosophy difference uh, yeah uh, yeah you know pick your yeah. battles your kid will figure it out yeah for sure for sure mm-hmm. um okay um well let's uh I, it's funny because eh? I'm kind of what we're talking about, like the practical and the emotional. And obviously this is all all linked together and all tied together, which, which mm-hmm. is part of what makes this so hard. Um, but, uh, you know, we've been talking about some of the practical stuff. What about switching gears and talking a bit more about the emotional stuff? Um, you know, when when we're talking about the co-parenting side of things. Right, right. Absolutely. Look, of course, as you brought up before, we really want to put our kids well-being first. So, you know, we, you know, whatever our big feelings are, we want to be able to put them aside and really focus on what's when we're making decisions, we're communicating with our ex, what is in our child's best interest, right? Mm -hmm. It's about our kids happiness, stability and future well being. And so, you know, when, and this may sound like an obvious thing to say, but it's important to really think about it, right? Decisions that concern your child should be based on your child's needs and not to spite your ex, right? Yeah. So yeah. if you're saying, I find one really good kind of practical tip that I've noticed comes up a lot in session is that if you find yourself saying something like, it's not fair, there's a really good chance you're stuck in your own concerns and not your child's. Yeah. Right. And so if you're like, well, but it's not fair that they get, you know, the extra afternoon and they da 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 or that they have to, whoa, okay. Now this is about you. Yep. Right. And, you know, the next is also that all that said, we're saying, you know, you know, put prioritize your kids, put your feelings aside to focus on theirs. But that said, of course, it's okay to have your own feelings. You may be pissed off and hurt and that's fine. It's just, you know, you want to be able to give yourself a place, a safe place to vent those big feelings away from your kids. Yeah. So be mindful that little kids have big ears, right? And so as you're processing your difficult feelings, you may think that they're, you know, oh, they're busy playing, they're playing on the floor, they're playing a video game, or they're in the other room. They can't hear what I'm saying to, you know, my friend or to my parent or to my confidant, right? Mm -hmm. Oh no, they can hear. They're picking it all up, right? So we can process all those big feelings, but be really mindful that kids can hear and be mindful of what we leave lying around. Some parents, you know, they'll write out that angry email and then they leave it open on the de- on the family computer or on yeah. their computer, or they have their text exchange that may have turned a little sour with their ex. And then, you know, the kid goes to play a game on parents' phone and then boom, all of a sudden they're yeah. in your texts and they're seeing everything there. Mm-hmm. So you have the right to pro- to have your feelings and to process those feelings and just be really mindful to that it be in a safe space away from your kids as much as possible. The next, of course, is, and and this is one that I love coming back to is um, keep children away from your grown from our grown up worries and resentments. Now, grown up worries are things like child support, court, dating, sex, you know, we can get our own, you know, support about these issues from other adults, um, but we don't talk about them in front of or with our kids they just don't need to know about your lawyer bill, right? They don't need to know that. That's not their business, right? 
And mm -hmm. importantly in there, kids have the right to worry about kid problems, like homework, like friends, like a teacher they don't like, right? And they have the right to be free from these big adult worries and concerns. Definitely, right? yeah, yeah. And, you know, a couple more details. <laughs> There's so much to get into here, yeah. Jen. Um, yeah. But a couple of things, you know, one thing I brought up before is, of course, not to use, you know, don't use your kids as messengers, right? A lot of times if when parents can't get along, they'll put their kids in the middle and they'll say, okay, tell your mom, dot, dot, dot. Tell your dad, dot, dot, dot. Or, you know, tell your dad that uh, you don't like having a 9 p.m. bedtime because then you wake up too cranky. Right. Yep. What? Why? Why does your kid need to say that? Right. Don't put them in the middle. Don't make them messengers. Yeah. And finally, in the spirit of, you know, not saying negative things about your ex. Right. I'm going to add in one other detail in there. Right. Of course, don't say negative details about your ex. However, if your debt ex is dating somebody else or is remarried, mm -hmm. they are included in that. You may think that this new person is a hussy or is a, or is a jerk or is, you know, a, a corporate, you know, jerk or something, whatever it is, right? That's none of your, that's not to share with your kid, right? Yeah. So you want to continue, you don't want your kid to feel again that they have to choose sides in any way, manner, shape or form, even when it comes to the step parents or whoever your the other parent is dating. Very so you want to continuous exactly continuously communicate that you're glad that the child has a bunch of people who love them and speak positively about the other parent and the step parents and give your kid the freedom to do the same recognize that whoever the step parent is there right that you may not like that situation and it's in your child's interests to have this is just another adult who loves them and who has eyes on them and who's helping to take care of them so in the end this is in your kid's interest right, right. yeah it, it's, a, it's a tough mental place to put yourself in to actually see that but it's helpful you know i'm just going to plant that seed yeah <laughs> yeah <what> <laughs> <laughs> definitely mm -hmm. um okay so um obviously this works best when we communicate well with our uh, former partner or ex um, which uh, obviously can be very challenging um, during a separation. Um, what about ideas for improving communication with, uh, with a former spouse? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jen, you're absolutely right. We do need to communicate, you know, as much as we may not want to, you know, if we share a kid or share several children, then yes, we do still need to communicate with our ex. And the goal is really to establish conflict-free communication. So we wanna think of really what's gonna work best between us. Um, a lot of parents will have a, a parenting journal that they send back and forth kind of with the kid, right? Mm -hmm. Or communicate by text or by email. Some parents are able to communicate by phone or with direct communication, but usually that's when feelings are a little bit more settled and you're a little bit more on the same page. Um, so written communication is usually favored. I'm going to say a journal or an email is generally, not necessarily, but often preferable to a text because we, unfortunately we have the tendency with text to respond impulsively. Yeah, good point. It's, it's, yep. Yeah, it's too quick and easy to send a text message, right? Mm. And so if we're gonna communicate in writing, which again, tends to be less charged, then uh, probably email or a written journal. Okay. And, you know, the other thing that's important when we're thinking about communicating with our ex is we really want keep the focus on our child. You know, I find yeah. a great way of thinking about it is that, you know, you and your ex are two people working on the same, your coworkers working on the same project, right? Yeah. You don't have to love each other, just like you don't have to love your coworkers. It's great if you do like your coworkers, but you don't have to. Right. Yep. But, you know, you have a shared project. Your project is extremely important and you both value it. And that's your kid. Right. So when you're communicating, you want to communicate with, you know, your your partner in this project, right? Your ex, like you would a coworker, be polite, be civil, keep it business. Right. And the business is the kid. So always bring it back to the kid if you're gonna right. be having communications, right? Mm -hmm. That's gonna help both of you to stay a little bit more focused on your kids' interests rather than getting, lumped, getting looped back into your own conflicts. 
Yeah. And avoiding the little digs and that kind of stuff that tends to happen. And uh, yeah, I think that makes mm-hmm. a lot. Of, I like, I like that analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. a partner, right? Yeah. Exactly. Like, like a business partner, right? You don't have to love them, but you still need to be polite and sort of cooperate with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a nice, most of us have at least a, a, a mental idea of what that looks like, sort of a mental script that we can draw on that could be yeah. really helpful. Yeah. I like that. Um, all right. What about, uh, okay. So we're moving forward now and the kids are going back and forth between homes, um, which obviously it's, it's tough for the kids. Right. And I think acknowledging that is really important. What about some ideas to make it easier on the kids? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it's, you know, we want to, when we're thinking about drop off, right. So we're thinking about the first part of it. We want to make it as easy and comfortable as possible for our kids. Right. So as they prepare to leave our how our homes for our exes, you know, we want to try to stay positive and deliver them on time. Right. So again, not a whole bunch of tears. Oh, I'm going to miss you and everything. But like, okay, we're packing up. All right, let's get this ready. Oh, you're going to have such a good time. You know, mm-hmm. yep. pack in advance. Right. And depending so that, you know, you're not scrambling at the door and then your kids aren't forgetting their toothbrush or their favorite pajamas or something. Encourage them to pack familiar reminders of, you know, that make them feel at home, especially for younger kids, like like their tutu or again, their favorite nightshirt or blankie or something. Stuffy. Um, Exactly, exactly. And when possible with drop off, um, you know, avoid picking up the child from a special activity so you don't feel like, you know, that you're the one stealing them away from a good time. Yeah. Right? You don't want to be interrupting something or like interrupting in the middle of like a dinner or a birthday party or play date. So it may be that you drop your child off at the other parent's house instead, or again, preferably a neutral pickup, uh, a drop off place. Right. Yep. Yeah. Now, at the beginning of the separation, right, especially for younger kids, but at the beginning of this separation, if it makes things easier for your kid, it's okay to let them call the absent parent every day. Mm-hmm. This lets the child know that the other parent hasn't disappeared. And some may also find it re and some kids may also find it reassuring to have kind of a token or an object that reminds them of the other parent. So like uh, a picture of the other parent by their bed or a photo album in each of the homes, right? Mm-hmm. With pictures of the other parent or, you know, one parent's favorite t-shirt or something that kind of smells like them that they could wear to sleep. Right. Now, you can allow your child to call the other parent, right, for sure, and keep pictures in each bedroom or bring an article of clothing. But again, uh, be mindful, kids <laughs> Kids are also can be, you know, especially when it comes around bedtime, sometimes kids, they want to talk to the other parent because they miss the other parent. Other times, they're just trying to delay bedtime. Oh, so, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All our biggest yeah. issues always come up right at bedtime. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. That's the best time. Um, yeah. So if if you feel, you know, so, yes, they can call the other parent before bed or something like that, but short and sweet. Right. The idea yeah. is not to drag a 7 p.m. bedtime out to nine o'clock. Right. Yeah. Just short and sweet. Meet their emotional needs while still sticking to a basic routine. Right. So that's all the stuff in terms of kind of drop off. But then it's, you know, when your kid returns, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, it's nice between the two homes to have similar items, again, so the kids don't have to keep worrying about forgetting things between one house and the other. Um, and particularly when the kids come back home, you know, come back to your house, they may need a little bit of time to adjust to the transition. So it's fine to give them a little bit of extra space in those moments or to do a transition activity in between. So when they're coming back from drop off, at least initially, maybe go to the park before going back to your house. Mm-hmm. Um, in time, they'll get more used to these transitions and they'll go back to normal. But, you know, give them yeah. a, it's OK to give the kids a little bit of wiggle room there. Yeah, I like that. Like that. Mm-hmm. All right. Another thing um, I'm sure you see in your office as well is, um, you know, the resistance to, you know, being at one parent's and wanting to stay there, not wanting to go to the other parents. Um, you know, I, th- I think I see, well, I do see it in all ages. Um, and it, uh, you know, the answer might be a bit different um, depending on age. But what are some ideas for what we can do when our child resists going to the other parents? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a tough one. This is a tough one because there could be so many different reasons that this is coming up. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first is to address is really preventative, 
right? You want to prevent this from becoming an issue at all. And that's going to be by being mindful, making pickups and drop-offs pleasant and easy, encouraging your child to have a relationship with their ex, you know, speaking positively about the other home, right? Supporting each other as, uh, you know, as co-parent, you know, as co-parents in this. And that's already going to go a long way to prevent some of these issues. Mm-hmm. But that said, if you're at the point where now your kid is bringing up concerns, they only want to stay at one parent's home. Okay. Mm-hmm. The first is, you know, talk to your kid right? Why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what yeah. are their reasons for this? Go yeah. in open-minded. They may have concrete, legitimate concerns that deserve to be addressed, right? It could be that, um, you know, they don't get to see their friends when they're staying with at one parent's home, or it's too loud for them to do their homework, mm-hmm. or whatever, right? Or the bed isn't comfortable, right? They the internet some... doesn't work well. Yeah, there's there's so many. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the rules may be so dramatically different about screen time or something like that, yeah. that they find it off putting, right? Yeah. And so if they have so hear them out, listen non judgmentally, and if they have legitimate grievances, yeah, problem solve, address them together. Right? Yeah, the the next is to, you know, if possible, depending on your relationship with your ex, talk to them and see if they have any suggestions. And again, keeping the focus on the kids' well-beings, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Now, you know, some kids also just need a little bit of space for this, so you don't need to take it too personally. You know, at different stages in, you know, I think, you know, I think as parents, we all remember that, that sometimes yeah, that sometimes when our kids are growing up, we're the favorite and at other times other another adult is the favorite, you know, yeah. and the preferred adult. And it doesn't yeah. mean that they actually love us yet. It less it's just where they're at. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to give them sometimes they just need a little bit of space to process it. And it's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, for older kids, right? So kids 12 plus in Quebec, um, they may want to have a bit more voice in their decisions. So it doesn't mean they can have the final word, but Again, their concerns should really be taken seriously. Yeah. Um, and finally, you know, and again, I'm just going to put the asterisks here. If this is a sudden change, if the kid starts talking in black and white terms between the two about the two households, if the kid is bringing up things like that are grown up concerns, right? Well, I don't want to stay at I don't want to stay at mommy's because she's not up to date with child support payments. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I don't want to stay with daddy because daddy cheated on mommy when they were mm-hmm. first dating. Like, oof. Yeah. Right? If it's things like that, that's when you probably want to go seek professional help. Go see, seek a psychologist. There may be something else going on there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else to add to that, Sam? Just around maybe things to avoid um, just when our kids are being resistant to, to either going to the other parent's house or coming to stay at our house? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. A couple of them I'll just, you know, I mentioned before, but I'll just kind of briefly come back to them because they're really important. They come up a lot. Um, you know, one is to avoid using the child as a messenger between the homes, right? Tell daddy this, tell mommy that. All this does is it creates a really unpleasant environment and it teaches children that adults are immature and they can't talk honestly and directly with each other. Right. And all kids learn is that I'm the grown up in the room and my adult, you know, my parents are just toddlers. Right. And we don't want to give that message to them. Right. Yeah. Um, the next is kind of that interrogation that the I spy. Right. Your kids right. are not your secret spy. So don't ask them to report on what's happening in the other parent's home or with the step parent. It's destructive. It's uncomfortable. Your kid doesn't like it. The kid And your kid knows what you're doing. Right. Yeah. So don't do that. If your kid comes back with a, you know, with a gaping wound or something like that, well, yeah, ask right, what's going on. If there's a safety concern, then fine, interrogate. But beyond that, keep it light and sweet. You can ask the kid what's going on. Let them share as much or as little as they want and ideally celebrate their good times as much as possible. Yeah, I like um, that. <laughs> yeah, one is, this one is, this one's cute kind of, you know, um, uh, you know, weekend fun time daddy or like mommy Santa Claus. Uh, (laughs) is particularly a lot of families used to get stuck in this before you know joint kind of even custody was a trend more 
And a lot of families would get stuck in this where you'd have, let's say one parent would take the kids for the weekends and the other parent would keep them on weekdays, right? Yeah. And what happens then, right? So let's say it's, you know, dad, let's say it's dad keeping the kid for the weekdays, right? So then dad is now responsible for, for chores, for homework, for brushing teeth, for bath time, for all the, for cleaning up toys, for all the not fun routine kind of drudgery of life. Right? right. And then mom swoops in on the weekend. Hey, let's go to a movie. Let's get ice cream. Let's go to the beach. Right. <laughs> and returns the kid on Sunday night, you know, unwashed, not having done their homework <laughs> and just, you know, high on sugar with chocolate around their mouth. And just, you know, now and, and what the message the kid gets is, OK, there's, you know, one parent who's super fun and awesome and the other is just bosh, just a downer. I don't like them. Right. <laughs> so. <Yep. laughs> Remember, you're both parents, right? And as parents, it means that, you know, you do both. There's the responsibilities that you want to be inculcated in your kids. You want to do basic parenting and fun and quality of time. Yeah, yeah. Of course, finally, as you know, some of these things, you know, I'll just briefly bring them up because I brought it up before, but it's, again, important to underline is, um, you know, not putting pressure on the kid to take sides, right? is going to be really important and that includes unless your kid is opening the discussion don't ask don't initiate a discussion with well what custody agreement what custody arrangement would you like right yeah because now you're you're unsolicited inviting your kid to have to pick between their parents and oof they don't yeah. need that right definitely and of course not making your child responsible for meeting your own emotional needs beware of statements like I'm so sad and lonely when you're away, or um, I won't be able to handle it if you go on vacation with mommy. I just won't survive. Oof, right. your kid doesn't need that, yeah. right? Or, oh, you love you love mommy more than me, or you love daddy more than me, or, oh, do you like this? Don't call your step-parent mommy, I'm mommy. Yeah. Right? Just give your mm -hmm. kid room to have their own feelings and don't make it their responsibility to tend to yours. Find you, your feelings deserve consideration and they deserve respect and you deserve support, support, just not from your kids. Yeah, 100%. Um, mm. Okay, well, you know what, this is, um, all of these things have been so helpful. I'm uh, just, as we're wrapping up here, um, do you have a couple of maybe final thoughts or, or takeaways um, for people that have been listening? Maybe a few, a few last points that you wanna make um, yeah. or summarize here? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, I think there's, you know, if I can think of sort of three takeaways, you know, from from this discussion, the, you know, um, what are important things to keep in mind. One, you know, and I've come back to this. This is going to be a surprise. Is no conflict of loyalties. Don't place your kids in the middle. Make it as easy as possible for your kids to have a loving and happy relationship in both households. They deserve to have as many loving and caring adults in their lives as possible. Right. Mm -hmm. The next, of course, is that to let your kids know that, you know, you love them, that you care about their feelings. This is going to be a rough time for them, and they're going to need your support and time and love to kind of get through it. Mm -hmm. And finally, is to really recognize that your kids benefit when you guys are co-parenting effectively. That means that they have two adults that are that are dedicated, that are bringing different ideas and perspectives in their best interest and to help out. And whenever we're trying to think with our ex of, ooh, there's this thing that they're doing that I really don't like and I really want to you know, start a fight with them or I really want to get into this with them, right? Mm -hmm. Think first about, is it, if you know that it may turn into an argument, is it worth the argument? Is that extra hour of screen time really worth a fight, right? Because I have a feeling the extra hour of screen time is going to have way less of an effect on your kid's development than having two parents that are in constant conflict, right? Yeah. So it is always in, it's, you don't have to do things for your ex, right? Yep. But you do if it's going to make things easier for your kid. Yeah. Yeah. That's, right? a, that's a good way to word it. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. Awesome. Well, um, this has been so helpful and informative. 
Um, and my heart really does go out to anybody that's going through this experience. It's, uh, it is so challenging. Um, and I really appreciate um, all the thoughtfulness that, uh, that went into um, today's uh, Dr. Sam and just kind of all this information. Uh, I really do appreciate that. And I, uh, I know this is gonna be helpful to our listeners. So thank you again, Dr. Sam, for joining me today. Um, like I say, I, it's, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much. My pleasure. This is a really, really rough time in people's lives and often can be one of the most challenging, right? And so, you know, whatever support you can get, whatever tips, there is no shame in asking for help and in getting support where you need it. And I'm, I really appreciate, Jen, that you're opening up this conversation because I think for a lot of us, it's, it's important to know and to think about these things. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. And, uh, and as always, thanks to our, all of our listeners.